Chapter forty six of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty six The Rivals. All the time that Dudley chose to persecute me with his odious society, I continued to walk at a brisk pace toward home, so that I had nearly reached the house when Milly met me with a note which had arrived for me by the post in her hand. Here, Milly, are more verses. He is a very persevering poet, whoever he is. So I broke the seal, but this time it was prose, and the first words were Captain Oakley. I confess to an odd sensation as these remarkable words met my eye. It might possibly be a proposal. I did not wait to speculate, however, but read the sentences traced in the identical handwriting which had copied the lines with which I had been twice favoured. Captain Oakley presents his compliments to Miss Ruffin, and trusts she will excuse his venturing to ask whether, during his short visit at Feltram, he might be permitted to pay his respects at Bartram Howe. He has been making a short visit to his aunt, and could not find himself so near, without at least attempting to renew an acquaintance which he has never ceased to cherish in memory. If Miss Ruffin would be so good as to favour him with ever so short a reply, to the question he ventures most respectfully to ask, her decision would reach him at the Hall Hotel, Feltram. Well, he's a roundabout feller, anyhow. Couldn't he come up and see you if he wanted to? They poets as they do love writing long yarns, don't they? And with this reflection, Milly took the note and read it through again. It's jolly polite, anyhow, isn't it, Maud? said Milly, who had conned it over and accepted it as a model composition. I must have been, I think, naturally a rather shrewd girl, and considering how very little I had seen of the world, nothing in fact, I often wonder now at the sage conclusions at which I arrived. Were I to answer this handsome and cunning fool according to his folly, in what position should I find myself? No doubt my reply would induce a rejoinder, and that compel another note from me, and that invite yet another from him. And however this might improve in warmth, they were sure not to abate. Was it his impertinent plan, with this show of respect and ceremony, to drag me into a clandestine correspondence? Inexperienced girl as I was, I fired at the idea of becoming his dupe, and fancying perhaps that there was more in merely answering his note than it would have amounted to, I said, That kind of thing may answer very well with button-makers, but ladies don't like it. What would your papa think of it if he found that I had been writing to him and seeing him without his permission? If he wanted to see me, he could have... I really did not know exactly what he could have done. He could have timed his visit to Lady Knollys differently. At all events, he has no right to place me in an embarrassing situation, and I am certain Cousin Knollys would say so, and I think his note both shabby and impertinent. Decision was not with me an intellectual process. When quite cool, I was the most undecided of mortals, but once my feelings were excited, I was prompt and bold. "'I'll give the note to Uncle Silas,' I said, quickening my pace toward home. "'He'll know what to do.' But Milly, who I fancy had no objection to a little romance which the young officer proposed, told me that she could not see her father, that he was ill and not speaking to anyone. "'And aren't ye making a plaguey row about nothing? "'I lay a guinea if ye had never set eyes on Lord Ilbury. "'Ye'd a told him to come and see ye, and welcome.' 
don't talk like a fool milly you never knew me do anything deceitful lord ilbury has no more to do with it you know very well than the man in the moon i was altogether very indignant i did not speak another word to milly the proportions of the house are so great that it is a much longer walk than you would suppose from the hall door to uncle silas's room but i did not cool all that way and it was not till i had just reached the lobby and saw the sour jealous face the high call of old wyatt and felt the influence of that neighbourhood that i paused to reconsider i fancied there was a cool consciousness of success behind all the deferential phraseology of captain oakley which nettled me extremely no there could be no doubt i tapped softly at the door what is it now miss snarled the querulous old woman with her shrivelled fingers on the door handle can i see my uncle for a moment he's tired and not a word from him all day long not ill though awful bad in the night said the old crone with a sudden savage glare in my face as if i had brought it about oh i'm very sorry i had not heard a word of it no one does but old wyatt there's milly there never asked neither his own child weakness or what one of them fits he'll slide away in one of em some day but no one but old wyatt to know nor ask word about it that's how twill be will you please hand him this note if he is well enough to look at it and say i am at the door she took it with a peevish nod and a grunt closing the door in my face and in a few minutes returned come in will you said dame wyatt and i appeared uncle silas who after his nightly horror or vision lay extended on a sofa with his faded yellow silk dressing-gown about him his long white hair hanging toward the ground and that wild and feeble smile lighting his face a glimmer i feared to look upon his long thin arms lay by his sides with hands and fingers that stirred not except when now and then with a feeble motion he wet his temples and forehead with eau de cologne from a glass saucer placed beside him excellent girl dutiful warden niece murmured the oracle heaven reward you your frank dealing is your own safety and my peace sit you down and say who is this captain oakley when you made his acquaintance what his age fortune and expectations and who the aunt he mentions upon all these points i satisfied him as fully as i was able wyatt the white drops he called in a thin stern voice i'll write a line presently i can't see visitors and of course you can't receive young captains before you come out farewell god bless you dear Wyatt was dropping the white restorative into a wine-glass, and the room was redolent of ether. I was glad to escape. The figures and whole mise-en-scene were unearthly. "'Well, Milly," I said, as I met her in the hall, "'your papa is going to write to him.' I sometimes wonder whether Milly was right, and how I should have acted a few months earlier. Next day, whom should we meet in the windmill wood but Captain Oakley? The spot where this interesting rencontre occurred— was near that ruinous bridge on my sketch of which i had received so many compliments it was so great a surprise that i had not time to recollect my indignation and having received him so affably i found it impossible during our brief interview to recover my lost attitude after our greetings were over and some compliments neatly made he said i had such a curious note from mr silas ruffin 
I am sure he thinks me a very impertinent fellow, for it was really anything but inviting, extremely rude, in fact, but I could not quite see that because he does not want me to evade his bedroom, an incursion I never dreamed of, I was not to present myself to you, who had already honoured me with your acquaintance, with the sanction of those who were most interested in your welfare, and who were just as well qualified as he, I fancy, to say who were qualified for such an honour. My uncle, Mr. Silas Ruffin, you are aware, is my guardian, and this is my cousin, his daughter. This was an opportunity of becoming a little lofty, and I improved it. He raised his hat and bowed to Milly. I'm afraid I've been very rude and stupid. Mr. Ruffin, of course, has a perfect right to... to... In fact, I was not the least aware that I had the honour of so near a relation's... uh, uh, and exquisite scenery you have... I think this country round Feltram particularly fine, and this Bartram Howe is, I venture to say, about the very most beautiful spot in this beautiful region. I do assure you I am tempted beyond measure to make Feltram and the Hall Hotel my headquarters for at least a week. I only regret the foliage, but your trees show wonderfully, even in winter. So many of them have got that ivy about them. They say it spoils trees, but it certainly beautifies them. I have just ten days leave unexpired. I wish I could induce you to advise me how to apply them. What shall I do, Miss Ruffin? I'm the worst person in the world to make plans, even for myself. I find it so troublesome. What do you say? Suppose you try Wales or Scotland and climb up some of those fine mountains that look so well in winter. I should much prefer Feltram. I so wish you would recommend it. What is this pretty plant?' "'We call that Maud's myrtle. She planted it, and it's very pretty when it's full in blow,' said Milly. "'Our visit to Elverston had been of immense use to us both.' "'Oh, planted by you?' he said very softly, with a momentary corresponding glance. "'May I, ever so little, just a leaf?' And without waiting for permission, he held a sprig of it next his waistcoat. "'Yes, it goes very prettily with those buttons.' "'They are very pretty buttons, are they not, Milly? "'A present, a souvenir, I dare say.' "'This was a terrible hit at the button-maker, "'and I thought he looked a little oddly at me, "'but my countenance was so bewitchingly simple "'that I suppose his suspicions were allayed. "'Now it was very odd of me, I must confess, "'to talk in this way, "'and to receive all those tender allusions from a gentleman "'about whom I had spoken and felt so sharply "'only the evening before.' but Bartram was abominably lonely. A civilised person was a valuable waif or stray in that region, of the picturesque and the brutal, and to my lady reader especially, because she will probably be hardest upon me, I put it, can you not recollect any such folly in your own past? Can you not, in as many minutes, call to mind at least six similar inconsistencies of your own practising? For my part, I really can't see the advantage of being the weaker sex if we are always to be as strong as our masculine neighbours. There was indeed no revival of the little sentiment which I had once experienced. When these things once expire, I do believe they are as hard to revive as our dead lapdogs, guinea-pigs, and parrots. It was my perfect coolness which enabled me to chat, I flatter myself, so agreeably with the refined captain, who plainly thought me his captive, and was probably now and then thinking what was to be done to utilise that little bit of Bartram, or to beautify some other, 
when he should see fit to become its master as we rambled over these wild but beautiful grounds it was just about then that milly nudged me rather vehemently and whispered look there i followed with mine the direction of her eyes and saw my odious cousin dudley in a flagrant pair of cross-barred peg-tops and what milly before her reformation used to call other slops of corresponding atrocity approaching our refined little party with great strides i really think that milly was very nearly ashamed of him i certainly was i had no apprehension however of the scene which was imminent the charming captain mistook him probably for some rustic servant of the place for he continued his agreeable remarks up to the very moment when dudley whose face was pale with anger and whose rapid advance had not served to cool him without recollecting to salute either milly or me accosted our elegant companion as follows by your leave master bain't you summat in the wrong box here don't you think he had planted himself directly in his front and looked unmistakably menacing may i speak to him will you excuse me said the captain blandly oh, ay they'll excuse you ready enough i dessay you're to deal with me though bain't you in the wrong box now i'm not conscious sir of being in a box at all replied the captain with severe disdain it strikes me you are disposed to get up a row let us if you please get a little apart from the ladies if that is your purpose i mean to turn you out of this the way you came if you make a row so much the was for you for i'll lick you to fits tell him not to fight whispered milly he'll earn no chance with dudley i saw dickon hawkes grinning over the paling on which he leaned mr hawkes i said drawing milly with me toward that unpromising mediator pray prevent unpleasantness and go between them and get licked to both sides rather not miss thanky grinned dickon tranquilly who are you sir demanded our romantic acquaintance with military sternness i'll tell you who you are you're oakley as stops at the hall that governor wrote overnight not to dare show your nose inside the grounds you're a half-starved cap and come down here to look for a wife and before dudley could finish his sentence captain oakley than whose face no regimentals could possibly have been more scarlet at that moment struck with his switch at dudley's handsome features i don't know how it was done by some devilish cantrip slight a smack was heard and the captain lay on his back on the ground with his mouth full of blood how do you like the taste of that roared dickon from his post of observation in an instant captain oakley was on his feet again hatless looking quite frantic and striking out at dudley who was ducking and dipping quite coolly and again the same horrid sound only this time it was double like a quick postman's knock and captain oakley was on the grass again tapped his smeller by thundered dickon with a roar of laughter come away milly i'm growing ill said i drop it dudley i tell ye ye kill him screamed milly but the devoted captain whose nose and mouth and shirt front formed now but one great patch of blood and who was bleeding beside over one eye dashed at him again i turned away i felt quite faint and on the point of crying with mere horror hammer away at his knocker bellowed dickon in a frenzy of delight he'll break it now if he ain't ready cried milly alluding as i afterwards understood to the captain's grecian nose bravo little un the captain was considerably the taller another smack and i suppose captain oakley fell once more 
Hooray, the dinner service again, but... Would Dickon stick to that over the same ground, subsoil, I say. He ain't enough yet. In a perfect tremor of disgust, I was making as quick a retreat as I could, and as I did, I heard Captain Oakley shriek hoarsely, "'You're a deprived fighter! I can't box you!' "'I told you I'd lick you to fits,' hooted Dudley. "'But you're the son of a gentleman, and but you shall fight me as a gentleman!' A yell of hooting laughter from Dudley and Dickon followed this sally. "'Give my love to the Colonel, and think of me when you look in the glass, won't you? "'And so you're going after all!' "'Well, follow what's left of your nose. "'You forgot some of your ivories, didn't you, on the grass?' "'These and many similar jibes followed the mangled captain in his retreat. End of chapter 46